0: Hello, and welcome to the Minnesota Family Law Podcast, the podcast by, with, for, and about family law professionals. My name is Tom Tuft, and I'm a family law attorney and ADR provider at the law firm of Tuft, Locke, Jerebeck, and O'Connell. My guest today is a family law attorney who's been practicing for 35 years. She reads widely and deeply about family law and other topics, and is frequently sharing articles and ideas through the Family Law Bar. She has connections with family law professionals around the world, having served as president of the International Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. She's been a longtime advocate of recognizing not only domestic abuse, as defined in our statute, but also the power and control dynamics we see so frequently in our cases. I am so pleased to have a chance to talk to Nancy Berg. Nancy, I'm so appreciative of you taking the time to join me on my podcast.
1: Well, you're welcome. I'm delighted to do it.
0: So you wear a lot of hats, but the one I find most interesting uh, right now is your significant involvement with the International Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. Uh, I'm just wondering how lawyers around the world are holding up with all this, and what what you're observing from them.
1: Well, I'm past president, so I my uh, I'm. I'm so thrilled that I'm not having to deal with the meeting planning and so on that we have been doing. We've had to cancel a number of meetings. We had a meeting in Bangkok in February that was canceled. We had a meeting in Oslo in June that's been canceled and uh, a meeting in October, I think it was in Toronto that's been canceled. So it's with great sadness that, um, I miss my friends. These are my best friends in the world. Um, Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, literally. So, so what I started doing was on Wednesday mornings in our time at nine o'clock, which for my friends in Australia is midnight, um, doing a zoom call and it's very informal. It's just a chat, just checking in with people, how they're doing, what they're concerned about, how they're dealing with their courts, um, their clients and so on. And the big, big, big issue is valuing things. Um, as far as I know, IBITS, which is the tool we use for valuing, was created um, shortly before or during the depression, shortly before. And it's based on a stock market that has never seen a pandemic. So, any valuing of a business um, is going to be questionable. And even real estate, because my sure. real estate clients are telling me that. Um, sellers don't want to let strangers in their house, and potential buyers are losing their jobs. So the, um, even that market's going to be very dicey in the future.
0: Yeah, I just um, had one fall through in a, in a case. It was very important that that home sells and the buyers backed out. And uh, Yeah, it's, I've seen it already.
1: Yeah, and I think um, what I mentioned to you earlier is the frustration we're all feeling with the court system. You know, the courts are a service. It's not a location. And the courts, at least in the United States, have been so severely starved of funds, the necessary funds to keep up technologically, um, and that they hadn't planned in their budget for all of these, um, what are those phone lines called? Oh, bridge
0: lines, yes.
1: Bridge lines, and uh, the need to upgrade all of their technology. So um, I think we're going to see long into the future a lot more use of technology. Um, One of the things I find interesting about Zoom mediations is the electricity in the air that one ordinarily experiences, particularly in a high-conflict case, doesn't exist because you're not in the same room. And while being in the same room creates a level of intimacy and ability to assess credibility um, when you're not in the same room. And tempers seem to me to be less likely to flare, though I think it was Tom Hargis or you, Tom Tuff, one of one of the two of you said to me, but it gives the bullies a lot more freedom. So
0: It was probably Tom Hargis, but I like that yeah, line, yes.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think that we're going to see a dramatic change in the future of the court system family law is going to continue to be frustrated because the judges are all saying the criminal cases are going to go first. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one issue. And then the other issue is, is domestic violence and our inability to address the domestic violence effectively because the courts are essentially shut down. I'm hoping uh, this week to have a video call with opposing counsel and a judge in Anoka, but whether we can get them to act quickly, I don't know. So, on an international front, we're seeing a, a really kind of a uniform crisis uh, in our legal system that is across the world. Um, and we're all struggling with it. Yeah. One of the most interesting aspects of the international practice, you remember when I first started doing this, everyone told me I was crazy.
0: <laughs> I, um, was I was one. It's like, what?
1: Yes, you were. <laughs> But, you know, Minneapolis, we have, I think, um, 10 of the top 100, Forbes, 500, or whatever it is, companies here. We have a lot of uh, transplants, and so we have a lot of international issues. The other thing that's interesting that we just recently kind of developed as as an organization is the recognition of the different ethics standards for lawyers around the world. You know, we're a common law country. Mm -hmm. Canada, Australia, New Zealand, all apply the common law. In the civil jurisdictions, it's a very different practice. And we common law lawyers tend to think, well, we're all lawyers. We almost have the same ethical precepts. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter in the civil jurisdictions, it's very well accepted that lawyers will lie to the court. They're They're not officers of the court and they have no duty to present a material fact. So you have to keep that in mind when you get a judgment decree from, um, Italy or France, Germany, that, um, the facts that are relied on by the court may not necessarily be true.
0: Wow. Okay. You know, and I, it's not a thing I had studied before. I've run into some civil law issues in some of my, uh, interstate or international child custody cases, um, but, uh, you know, they're ultimately either decided here or with that other attorney. I haven't had to engage really on the ethics rules before. That's fascinating. Right.
1: Well, you know, we never think to, to ask that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah.
1: that's been a continuing topic of discussion.
0: Wow. Because, I, you know, with other professionals, with our, you know, mental health professionals, they have their ethics rules, and it's sometimes interesting when we kind of run, you know, crosswise with them when they can or can't do something that we can or can't do on our, on the the lawyer side. And um, so that I've run into, but just had not thought uh, like sounds like many of us common law attorneys have not thought that there's a difference.
1: Yeah. And that's, I mean, to me, that's the intellectually stimulating part of the international practice is to discover that in Spain to be a notary, requires an additional four years of university. And <laughs> wow. a, no, a notarys uh, sworn statement cannot be challenged in court. So it's a very, very, very different world out there. And we tend to be so isolated here in the United States and not really thinking about the European Union and what Brexit may, may mean for all of us.
0: Wow. Um, so how are the courts... Doing things different, or are they doing things differently in the in the foreign jurisdictions?
1: Um, right now, due to COVID, everybody's kind of in a holding place. So I wouldn't, I would say that this is probably the first time there's been any uniformity. <laughs> yeah. Which means nothing's getting done.
0: Oh, um, you know, I I I'm hearing around here anyway that things are, you know, like you said with the bridge lines, and and they're starting to. Hear and do things, but um, again, like you said, once the criminal backlog uh, or backlog breaks, uh, we may be losing resources. Um, it's interesting to hear that some form of that is a worldwide problem when we rely yeah. on on our courts so so much, especially you know, not only for our clients but for our our income. Um, it's exactly. Uh, it's challenging. Well, and I
1: anticipate a lot more alternative dispute resolution is going to go on because it's the only way to get a quick remedy.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow. So we're almost out of time. Are there any final thoughts you'd like to share? Anything you want to add to the discussion?
1: Yes. The one final thought I want to tell you what I find most irritating in the world <laughs> is when someone says to me they're a recovered lawyer. I take such pleasure in my work. I love what I do. I, I call myself a cultural anthropologist because I get to dig around in people's lives and how they make money and how they parent their children. And I just find it utterly fascinating. So so when somebody impugns our practice, the practice of law, which I'm so proud to be a part of, I just can't stand it. <laughs> so you know, there's prayer I, warning out there for everybody.
0: I have that reaction Two, and I'm happy to hear you put put a a finger on it because I I like you know you're recovering from being smart and logical and thoughtful and and helping people and what you know what what exactly part of the law are you recovering from um, exactly <laughs> so
1: well and I think the other thing that's uh, somewhat unique to me is I'm really comfortable with conflict mm-hmm. I don't I don't have a need to avoid it. And I think that's in, in our particular line of work really critical, to be able to say I disagree. Yeah. Does not make you a bad person? I just disagree.
0: I think the best advice I got along those lines was um, at a continuing ed class from some national speaker, and someone asked him, "What do you do when you just can't make that call to a client when you you know you just you're just emotionally done with that?" And he said, "If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. I mean, it's it's just the reality. You've got to serve these people, or." either this line of law or the whole concept of practicing law may not be for you. And, um, that was eye-opening.
1: Yeah. Because I think too many take things personally. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, what I say to my clients is, and you know, I didn't tell you to marry him. I didn't tell you to have kids with them I'm doing the best I can, but at the end of the day, it's not my life. So.
0: Yeah. I've, had, you, yeah. I've go. sat in the room with you. Um, you know, I just, as a mediator, I get to observe really good attorneys, how they interact with their clients, and it's made me a better lawyer, I think. But, um, you know, seeing how you work with your clients and how you advise them and, and other lawyers as well, um, but, you know, I've, I've, I've seen you have some of that those discussions with them along those lines, and uh, I, I think it, you know, it rings with people, and, you know, you're, you're empathizing with them um, while telling them they've got, you know, they've got to make these tough decisions. So. Yep. Well, Nancy, I know I know we'll be talking again in the future, um, and I always appreciate the opportunity, uh, so I want to thank you again for your time, and uh, we'll look forward to further discussions.
1: Anytime, Tom.
0: It's always great to talk to Nancy and hear her learned, learned opinions on a wide range of topics. I especially appreciated her closing comments about the pride she takes in uh, the profession in which many of us practice. I share that and always find it baffling and a little bit saddening that uh, people describe themselves as recovering lawyers, as if that's uh, something that should be a point of pride. Tomorrow, Mitch Irwin joins me to discuss how the mortgage industry is handling the pandemic in light of the very low interest rates, but relatively low number of housing sales. On Sunday, Margot Sefker will discuss not only her role as an attorney, but how she's handling her role as a mother during the pandemic. And then on Monday, Lisa Kalamine joins me to discuss what's going on in Anoka County and specifically her practice. Once again, we have come to the end of an episode. So to my family law colleagues, I say thanks for listening, and I look forward to continuing these discussions. Now take care of yourself and your family so you can take care of your clients and your business.